Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can UFO sightings, ghosts, and other paranormal phenomena be truly understood if we isolate them from one another? Can entire regions be haunted? Is it the places that are haunted or the people? Oh, crap. Wrong side. I'm very sorry. Welcome to Behind the Paranormal. And half of my script is missing. I'm <laughs> sorry. Well, what? So pass me that, please. All right. And I can continue. What am I supposed to do? So hello there, and welcome to the 353rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And those questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. So, on our show tonight, we continue to look at the Rundlesham UFO case of 1980 and related subjects from the viewpoint of military eyewitnesses who have not yet uh, been prominent in previous media reports on the subject. We also have two guest hosts this evening. But before we introduce anybody, it's time for our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, what site has been called Russia's Area 51? Well, Lindsay Kress of Franklin, Massachusetts, got the right answer. Kapustin Yar in southwestern Russia near Volgograd. Uh, long been a test site, uh, it has been long been a test site, I should say, for bizarre aircraft and is rumored to have alien craft and bodies that fell into the hands of the Soviets a number of years ago. Much the same as in Area 51 in Nevada. All right, so this week's question is, what town in New England was the center of the witchcraft hysteria from 1647 to 1663? So be first to get that right and win a copy of the newest edition of Footsteps in the Attic, my dad's most popular book. I will tell you that is a trick question, so I'll leave it at that. Uh, we do welcome callers this evening. I uh, usually get yakking in the conversation, forget to give the phone numbers, but here they are. Our numbers locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240, or from anywhere in the USA, 800-449-1240. Let's start with introductions. First, our guest. We do have our guest, Mr. Producer. Yes, we do. Okay. Major Lori Rayfelt, U- U.S. Air Force retired, was stationed at RAF Bentwaters, RAF Woodbridge, during the eventful Christmas week in 1980. When numerous military witnesses, including high-ranking officers, witnessed multiple UFO sightings, landings, and possible interaction between the craft and military personnel. Uh, Her own experience, however, happened quite a bit before that, and we'll be talking about that a number of months before the, the incident that gets all the credit. Uh, For our previous coverage of the Rendlesham incident, probably the best documented and most historically significant UFO encounter in history, listen to the free podcasts of our 16-hour series on that case, which aired on CBS Radio and Achieve Radio in 2010. Major Rayfelt retired from the Air Force. Uh, You can find those, by the way, at BehindTheParanormal.com. Again, they're free podcasts. Major Rayfelt retired from the Air Force after a long and distinguished career. You can hear our previous interview with her on the CBS Radio edition of this show on the 2012 podcast page at BehindTheParanormal.com. It's show number 346 under the CBS logo. So, Lori Rayfelt, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you. I, I appreciate you um, giving me some more time to um, to talk a little bit more in, in depth about what I saw and what happened. Well, any, anything this case has, it's depth, we'll tell you that. In 30 hours, and we're still trying to get to the bottom of what happened. 
Anyway, uh, uh, and in, and in studio, Laura, if you'll just excuse us for a moment, we'll address, uh, we'll uh, introduce our um, uh, in studio uh, guests and, ho- and co-hosts this evening, uh, Tom Reed, who has been a guest on the show several times, and his son Chris Reed. The Reeds are at the center of what is considered the best documented alien abduction case of an entire family, so much so that the case has been discussed at the United Nations. Happened mostly uh, in Massachusetts and Connecticut, not far, far from where we sit, and not far from where I lived at the time. Uh, you can learn about their case on the 2012 podcast page, show number 322. <coughs> and, Tom, why don't you give us your website as well? It's uh, www.tomreed.info. Okay, very happy to have you. you, took a, did, you did you get to Newport today at all? As you were yeah, I, coming I, into Rhode I swung in there for a couple of minutes. I should have warned you about the traffic. Yeah, and it was uh, the bridge was backed up seriously. Yeah, so, brand new was, bridge, twice the size, and it's still yeah, backed. And anyway, it's, that's, and eight dollars to get across. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, oh, we hate back. that toll. Yeah, was, oh, we're working on that. Yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's rough on tourists. It's nice anyway. Well, you can anyway. go around this really roundabout way from Fall River where you don't have to pay any toll. Well, only any Rhode Islanders know about that. Yeah, no. Well, right. now the secret's well, out. Now so. I do. Okay, there you go. <laughs> well, anyway, given their own experience, the Reeds probably will have some questions for Lori as well. Sure. All right, so Lori, right. Uh, now let, let's let's move on to some questions here after the fun little introduction. Sure. So um, we're dealing with... Uh, two uh, NATO Air Force bases in uh, Suffolk, England, uh, with the notoriously haunted Rundlesham Forest between them. And the uh, sightings and landings that get all the publicity happened in December 1980, but your main sighting happened uh, ten months before that. Can you tell us about that experience? Well, it happened in um, February 1980, and it was uh, a midnight shift. I was on D-flight, Delta flight, and I was the lead patrol at, with uh, Airman First Class Duffield, Keith Duffield. And it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, which is interesting because it correlates with similar to the time when the others saw theirs. Um, and what happened was it looked like a C-130. It looked like a, it was like just a, a, a bright light, but it was coming in as an approach to the RAF Woodbridge runway, uh, coming from the North Sea, heading so it was heading from east to west, and and we were we were sitting right out by um, East Gate, uh, and we were pointed in the direction of of uh, east of us. We, so we were pointing in the direction of uh, the North Sea, and well, this uh, this. Plane was coming in, and you know, so we thought, and we kept. I kept looking over at the runway to see if lights would go on, and I waiting for these blue lights to go on. It's uh, it's it's really pretty, and um, and then what happened? It was about a football field away, and this is where it got really strange. The lights didn't come on, and we looked out, um, and the aircraft stopped in midair, and. It, it was there for probably about 30 seconds. And then, we I mean, we were just couldn't believe it. Then it went up, down, left, right, made these geometric movements. Almost like almost like the sign of the cross, which was kind of interesting. I never thought of it until many years later. But And then at that point, it broke into three smaller pieces or, or lights. And that they flew over the runway past us, and then they went straight up, they, they went straight up into the, uh, the night sky, and, uh, and we lost sight of them at that point. 
So I had to call it in because it did fly over the runway, um, and we were told to report uh, the death sergeant, um, Sergeant Cohen, told us to go and report it to the air tower. And uh, back then, there wasn't much for technology, so we went over to the air tower, climbed the metal steps, and knocked on the door, woke the airman up that was in there, and and he tried to tell us it was probably afterburners from a, a British airplane. And we um, pretty much said that to the death sergeant, and it, it was just kind of a... No credibility. I, you know, here I'm an airman, and you know we're just. Yeah, you were not yet an officer, right? Right. Not that that doesn't mean you wouldn't have been ridiculed. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there was also the problem of being railroaded out of the, you know, out of the military. That you know they had issues with for the security guys, the PRP. Um, it, it was it was to the point that I I really wanted to stay under the under the wire as much as possible. But we were both curious of what we saw, and I got really excited in nineteen in the nineteen nineties when I learned about Left Eddie Gate. I mean, I it just it just threw me because I I didn't hear anything about the Freedom of Information Act, and and I never pursued any of it because. I was not really a UFO kind of person. I just, it just wasn't what I did. But I did see it, and I really thought it would corroborate what they saw, what the others had seen in December. Um, and and, and I, I have my speculation of, of, of why they're there. Mainly, it was, a nucle- it was a nuclear base. Yeah. Okay, can I just ask you this? The hesitancy on the part of witnesses is, is renowned. Are you aware of people who just never reported things that occurred, such as you experienced or such as was experienced in um, the following December, and, and just people just don't know about it? Well, well, when I when I to put it this way, a good example is when I sat there after we saw the UFO fly over, you know, the three pieces fly past us and fly up into the night sky. I handed my radio over to Keith because I thought, hey, if anyone's going to have to report it, let it be him because he. At least as a man, he'll have more credibility than me. And he handed it over to me saying, no. I mean, it was just like that movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind where do you want to report it? No. Do you want to report it? Right. No. Yeah. And so I, I do think that, that there is, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I talked with my friend Ken Kern, and he'd seen the UFO sighting, and he did not report it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there was a whole lot more, I believe, UFO activity happening then and pro- and happening now. Well, that's why we keep covering this case, you know, uh, to, to ad nauseum to some people, but I mean, to most people, they realize that they, this is the tip of the iceberg. Tom or, or, or Chris, did you have any questions uh, at this point? Not right now. I'm just getting a feel for what took place. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I w- maybe perhaps if there was any environmental changes or anything you felt in the air or... Was there any type of a, a vibe or magnetic energy you felt or anything? Yeah, a lot of people talk about the electrical tingle, right, that sort of thing. That that yeah, no, felt. no, we we didn't we didn't have that. Um, um, and I I don't know if it was because when it it, it was roughly about you know a half a football field, fifty yards away. I we we didn't get that close to it because you know again it flew over the runway, but. Um, mm. So there wasn't anything like that. However, the base did have, um, um, it was like a warped, 
environment in regard to feeling like uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, you know, in, in the sense of everything was just kind of off kilter. And, and I do believe that what happened, whatever happened there over in over at um, Woodbridge and Bentwater, um, what it. it if, if it was, say, um, uh, someone was playing around with radar jamming, messing around with uh, Einstein's theory of relativity or whatever, it opened something up, and there was definitely, it was a negative energy. Yeah. The place had a negative energy, and it, uh, and it really affected people in their, in their personalities and their, and their psyche, and because, I, like I said, I, been at other military bases, and I never, I had never after that experienced what I experienced over there. It, mm-hmm. it was like being in a combat zone, yeah. where you had to be careful, or you, or you would lose your livelihood, you'd be humiliated, you'd be treated like uh, what we call snap, yeah. snap. Well, we're going to get into that, but now Chris had a question. Uh, yeah. Even though you had uh, some distance between you and the the craft, could you give me an idea of how big the actual craft was before it split into three other crafts? Like I said, it was probably about a size of, of a big, uh, like like a big air, like a airline. Uh, you know, um, you got what are the airplanes to get into, and they're like three rows on each side. I mean, it was I, I call it a cargo plane. It, it was it was a good size, but it wasn't. It wasn't uh, astronomically big, but it wasn't tiny either, like an uh, like a fighter aircraft. But when it broke into three pieces, it was pretty much a small, uh, just like a, I guess a fighter aircraft. Was it was it pacing your plane at all to at the beginning, or was it uh, was it going like bes- beside you guys or aimed towards you or? Yeah, they were going toward us. They were going toward us. They were, um, but I would be. It was. It, if it was a, a tennis court, I, I was looking to my right as it was coming up to us and then looking to my left and watching it go up in the air. Um, but it was heading in our direction, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got you. Mm-hmm. All right, so you guys had radar on the base, I'm assuming. So did radar pick anything up of this craft? or No, no. And... and um, I don't, you know, and that I'm not sure about it, if they had any technology there that they could have recorded it. Like I said, I went to the air tower and talked to the air, air tower control uh, airman that was there, and, you know, he didn't know. He was just guessing, and and, and I, I knew right off that he didn't see anything because he was sleeping. Well, you know, our whole, let's put some perspective on this from our point of view, because one of the things we always try and do is is to look at the big picture. Western thought makes that difficult because we're taught to divide things up, pigeonhole, categorize, and we don't put things together. And if you take them apart rather than put them together, you can't see the big picture. Mm-hmm. That seems logical. So our particular point of view, uh, from especially my 42 years of looking at things in the paranormal and being in the trenches, is that Rendlesham is one of many, many places. Really, the entire planet is is like this, but places like Rendlesham especially so, something the Native Americans call a thin place, where a number of worlds, parallel worlds, some of which are very different from one another, may blend, connect like bubbles in, 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 in a tub or something, and uh, overflow one another, interact, 
and anything can happen, and anything can come through. Hence, when you have an area like this, you get UFOs of all different kinds, aliens of all kinds, ghosts, Bigfoot, um, unaccountable creatures, uh, you know, cars. We, we got an email today from somebody, their, their car keeps turning around in the driveway without anybody in it. And they, they'll look out the window one minute, it's facing in one direction, and the next, you know. This is entirely normal. There's nothing strange about the paranormal. So our point of view here, too, is that, and, and tying into something Graham Hancock wrote in his book, Supernatural, I want to have him on, uh, he hasn't been on for a while, but he's a terrific guest. His idea is quite interesting, that certain, it's not necessarily, it is the area, but certain people, everybody has uh, a brain that's more or less like a radio, when you are tuned to the right frequency, you can be standing there and see a UFO that's actually there. And someone might be standing next to you and not see it. Or, in your case, you, you, uh, you, the two of you might have seen it on the runway there, but the radar didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one of the analogies I use is if you're using, the, say, Photoshop or, or, so, or some photographic software, and you have all these photos on your computer, and you call them up, and it's only looking for one format, say, TIFFs, TIFF mm-hmm. files. Those are the only ones that are going to show up on the screen. The JPEGs and all the other kind, you're not going to see them, but they're still there. That's the kind right. of idea. So just to give it a little perspective, at least that's the way we see it anyway. That's how we experience the the, the uh, paranormal. Okay, uh, Ben, you want to... We're going to... The whole intelligence question. Oh, yeah, that's right. Way. So usually from some of the other witnesses that we've um, talked to, they say that they were debriefed by certain intelligent intelligence officers and things like that. Were you told to kept quiet or to keep quiet, not kept quiet? Um, uh, or were you ever debriefed or any sort of thing like that? No, no, no. We we were neither uh, neither one of us was debriefed. I mean, for a couple of weeks, you know, I took a lot of heat for yeah, Rachel seeing UFOs and all this other stuff. So um, you know, that was just enough to keep me quiet. But no, there there wasn't really any credibility there at the time because it wasn't as if a, a, a non-commissioned officer or an officer had seen it. It was two airmen first class personnel who had seen it. Um, one of the things that I'd like to add to what Paul was just talking about is that I've uh, I've had experiences throughout my life as a kid. Yeah, that's what we're going to ask you next. I was going to say you are that, psychic. I'm sorry. So that's that's exactly what I was going to ask next. Okay, um, is that I mentioned earlier uh, the last show is that I said that I'm psychic, and I I wanted to clarify that because I I believe that we all have the ability to be psychic. It's just a matter of what aptitude levels we're at, mm. and I think some of us are magnets to what seems to be unusual, or we can clearly feel the presence of something that most people can't see. And I know I do have that ability. I think the ability's gotten stronger since after I've been there over in England. And, um, and, and you know, I can feel the presence, whether it's a, a ghost in the house or a, a sibling that passed away. I can describe them without knowing them. Now, and, now and could, I, could I ask you, sorry to interrupt, but could I ask you what other stimuli, so to speak, you, you picked up in the Rendlesham area? This is one of the things we're going to be doing over there is having a town hall meeting and and having people compare their experiences. So, well, when what you go, else when you go to over to uh, when you, if you get a chance to go over to the back gate, east gate, and I know you'll see the um, they 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 put the gate shack in the middle of the road. Uh, the gate shack used to be when we were there; it would have been to the left side of the road. 
right. um, on the side. And right behind that is it's just a just a cement uh, paved area. Uh, it's not nothing nothing to really write home about. But at that point, when I was sitting in the gate shack looking out at the runway from that location. I could actually feel a, a gray behind me. I could feel it. I could describe it. I knew it was there. And I knew it knew that I was there, and it knew that I, I was too afraid to look. Um, and, and then there was the other time when I did see Colonel, um, Colonel Thompson, who had, who had uh, passed away in, a, uh, um, in an air show in, I think it was July, something like that, 1979. Mm. And, and that was, it was disappointing. Uh, interesting story because I thought he was a full bird colonel if we didn't have his hat on and I was going to have to tell him to put his hat on because he was a colonel and if I didn't tell him to put his hat on I would have been in trouble because you have to wear your hat when you're outside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then he was gone. And then I described him and one day I was in touch um, his daughter got in touch with me and she said that I described him exactly. Hmm. Okay. What about... um the, the notion that other witnesses have suggested the, uh, the underground base at Woodbridge, the things of that kind, uh, ideas of things going on that were behind the scenes and rather sinister, uh, even the presence of greys on the base. Did that ring a bell anywhere with your experiences? No, I, I wasn't really familiar with any place, um, I mean, that was underground. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have been really, really curious. I, I, I know that there was a lot of... Uh, Places over there that were pretty scary. I, I know when the when the, when the church at Woodbridge was on fire. I, I know that was a real creepy place, and no one knows what happened. Um, and the Woodbridge uh, non-munition storage area, the back side of it was really uh, it, there was something foreboding there that I just wouldn't go back there. Um, I, I would do my building checks, but when it got the two three o'clock in the morning. Uh, whatever was there pretty much told me you stay in that gate shack and yeah. but um you know it was just a feeling but it was it was just incredibly incredibly it was it was very scary yeah, well you learn to pay attention to your feelings in december of 80 were you on the base when all these all this stuff went down the week after christmas you know no, the landings I, and well, all and and this is interesting and and you can kind of put this together how you want to see it when i got um, I got my orders finally to leave uh, to PCS from from uh, Bentwaters Woodbridge. I, I'd been counting my days down because because I was just like everybody. I was bitter, so I um, I got my orders, and it was almost like a joke. I got orders to leave there on December twenty seventh. Really? And <laughs> and I was like, okay, all my stuff is packed. I'm going to be sitting in a dormitory room, and I'm going to miss Christmas with my family. Mm-hmm. And I got really, really mad that that they thought it was funny, and, and I didn't really think it was funny. So I decided to make my own port call, and I flew out of Heathrow on the, on and about uh, December 15th. And I kind of wonder that some of the some of the activity that happened during that time, I kind of wonder. You know, if it knew that I was supposed to be there, but I wasn't there. I don't know. I mean, it's just kind of a... But I I do think that whatever happened then was... And I'm not saying it was me, but whatever was happening there was very upset. 
you know, you get the feeling that other people are pu- or something else is pulling the strings. You fellows ever get that feeling uh, from time to time? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, we certainly do. You well, mean that's like very mind control? Well, maybe not. It's just somebody who sort of knows what's going on, and then you're just in the mix. Yeah, is 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 in the mix, and uh, somehow orders come through at odd times and this sort of thing. Yeah. Since oh, then, oh yeah, no, no, I, I, uh, well, I, I actually never thought of it, but when you when you put it that way, it, you know, I, I just was, I was just so bitter. When I got to my next stage, I looked like I, I talked to people, and they said, "You look like you just you just came out of hell," and yeah, I was like, yeah. "You don't want to even hear." A lot um, of the witnesses have said that that it was just a place that just drew energy out of you. Yeah, my well, it did to a point. I mean, in my case, um, and and if you see pictures of me, I'm I'm not anywhere near. I'm I'm pretty thin, and I've been thin most of my life, except for that time where I was there, and my body really physiologically changed to the point that my mom came to visit and she walked right by me at the uh, at the airport. I'm like, Mom, it's me, and she's like, Oh my God! Yeah, I put on weight in the service too. Or maybe it must be the food. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that that could be. But I, I, you know, it was just kind of, you know, when I left there, everything went back to the way it should be. You know, I, yeah. I mean, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and my mother had this fight or flight urge to get me out of there. She's like, I got to get you out of here. And I'm like, I can't. You know, I I I, I signed a contract. It's not like I joined a record club and you could save me. So. Yeah. Well, okay. we're going to take a commercial break right now. Okay. We'll be right back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our guest and our guest hosts. Stay with us. Curious about what's ahead for you in 2012? Guess. Or you can get a personalized astrological chart, setting you in the right direction, helping you to make those important decisions and choices. Fulfill your ambitions and achieve your goals. Move forward with confidence into the future this year, learning how to handle the new long-term planetary trends influencing your daily life. Money, health, job, your relationships, all included. Call me at 401-333-4048 for information on getting your chart or having a yearly update on a chart I've previously done for you. Put the spotlight on the future. Be a winner, not a warrior. Contrary to rumors you've been hearing about the world coming to an end in 2012, if it should, I'll give you a full refund. That's how sure I am it's not going to happen. I'm also available for private parties and speaking engagements. Call me, 333-4048. Okay, we wanted to remind you about Amazon.com and the marvelous readers you can get from them. And, uh, the, of course, the, the most... Uh, popular one at the moment, Kindle Fire, Amazon Kindle Fire, $199. You can get uh, well over 2 million books, newspapers, movies, apps, games, anything you want for entertainment or for enlightenment, you can get on your app. I should say your your Kindle Fire. And the Kindle device itself you can get as low as $79 for the basic uh, reader uh, for books and magazines and newspapers. Check it out. You can get four of my books, uh, Footsteps in the Attic, Faces at the Window, uh, certainly for those of you who are listening in the local area, Rhode Island, a genial history used in a couple of our school districts, and of course the most recent, Turning Home, God, Ghosts, and Human Destiny. And uh, you don't have a, 
right, usually I, I hit the guests and everybody for what books they have on Amazon Kindle because the sponsor likes it. But yeah, I haven't anyway, got that yet. anyway, uh, but check it out. Just about anything you want is, is on there, and it's a great gift for Father's Day coming up. Hint, hint, Ben. And uh, I'll get, I'll yes, get, I'll get you one yes. And uh, you can get them at Staples or a number of other places. Uh, you can get them as well. Amazon Kindle Fire or the Amazon Kindle devices of other models. They're all great things. Check them out. Amazon.com uh, on the net or Staples, uh, which is not on the net, or on the net Some too, whatever. I would like a new car. Yes, okay. Well, I, well, uh, are they on Amazon? Oh, yeah. yeah, Amazon too, right? Exactly. <laughs> so there we are. So, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal, and uh, we have two guest hosts this evening, Tom and Chris Reed, who have been on the show as guests before, at least Tom has, uh, the, the um, people who have been involved in probably the, mo- the best documented family abduction ever recorded, and our, our uh, official guest, uh, Lori Rayfelt, Major Lori Rayfelt, retired U.S. Air Force, who was present at a number of very interesting occurrences at the Rendlesham Forest area, a case, uh, or an area of uh, a number of very interesting cases that we have discussed on the show before. And so, uh, why don't we uh, continue, of course, with our discussion with Lori. Now, uh, Lori, uh, in years, in the years since 1980 and that particular experience, and in the years since you left the base, have you found your own particular sensibilities increased or changed, or have you had other UFO experiences or paranormal experiences uh, where you changed in that way? Um, yeah, I, I would say so. More so with the, um, um, you know, feeling feeling the presence of uh, um, of people that have died. You know, um, mostly and uh, feeling the presence of angels uh, surrounding by a bed where someone is uh, about ready to to die, or Wait. I should say, PCS to the next world. One of the things, and you might want to think about this uh, just in the context of, of, of what we're asking here, we often find that we interpret what we're feeling in terms of the context. In other words, if you see a glowing being next to your bed, aha, and, and you're, not, you're not afraid, must be an angel or a guardian or something. But if you see a glowing being underneath a disc that's hanging over your house, aha, it's an alien, you know. Um, what say you on that? I mean, were what were these things that you you feel you were saying? Were they and, and um, you're not going to and you're not going to fright you know I mean you're not going to uh, surprise or shock us because believe me, Ben and I have been around in the multiverse too. We've seen all kinds of interesting things. So yeah, I, I and I know that, and that that what that's what makes me comfortable to be able to talk about it mm. in the military. No, I would never talk about any of this. Believe me, or I, I would have been you know. Yeah, neither would I. I would have been out, but. Um, but now it, I, uh, it's, I, I could go into a room, and, and again, it doesn't happen all the time, but I can go into a room. I, I met this woman, and I went into the room, and all of a sudden it dawned on me that I wasn't supposed to be there to sell her insurance. But what I was supposed to be doing was really just sitting there. I mean, the room was just completely, I could feel the warmth, the love. And then in my mind, I could see these four really tall, muscular angel by the foot of her bed. And I told her, I said, you're not going to, I said, you're going to think, I don't know what you're going to think, but i got to tell you this. Um, you do realize that there are four tall angels looking at, looking over you. And she said, yeah, she knew it. And, and you know, and we talked and we held hands and I kissed her on the top of the head and left. And, 
few weeks later went back and and noticed um, that whatever was in that room was now gone. Mm-hmm. But that's just one. That's just an example. And, and again, yeah. it doesn't happen all the time. But when it does happen, I do feel a need to explain to people. That See, I, I relate I to that personally because, as we discussed off the air uh, on the phone, uh, you know, I was a seminary student for many years, and we, when I was working in. Uh, particularly two psychiatric hospitals, one in Connecticut and one in uh, New York State, uh, people would be very often uh, elderly and there were a lot more inpatients than today and they would be dying and I would be present with uh, maybe a a priest or or a a doctor and uh, some nurses and uh, all sorts of very, very interesting things would happen. That uh, over which the person could po- could not possibly have had any physical control, uh, or the presence was very common. Uh, I remember walking uh, into a room one time. Whether I was imagining it, I don't know. I'm not that sort of person. But there was a misty thing hanging over this old man's bed, and, and, and I could just see a hand mm-hmm. withdrawing into this mist just for you know, a, few, a second or two. And it looked as though they had been holding hands or something, and I just, you know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't mention it to the priest I was working with. I didn't mention it anyway. I didn't dare. I thought I would think I was crazy. But uh, uh, so well, I, I hear you when you say that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, well, the thing, the thing is that, and I, I do believe that that really needs to be respected because that comes under the line, of, you know, that comes under the word faith also, and I, and I, I, I you know, we we can't, you know, design or construct what we believe. Um, so I, I just kind of think that we're, we're heading to another level. I think, I think that people are heading to, uh, to being more their, into, you know, their intuitive side, whether it's considered your feminine side or masculine side or whatnot, that people are, are getting to the point that I'm sure there'll be a lot of things going on with ESP and different kinds of things like that. Um, and, but but I think that that it is real and it's something that we need to you know pay attention to. And this includes dreams. For instance, like I keep having a recurring dream, and Bentwaters is, and Woodbridge is always there. I call it my traveling dream, and I end up in first I'm in in Bentwaters and near East Gate, and and the next thing I know I'm in the desert, and I find myself in a place that I learned about it through a free copy of National Geographic. Uh, the zone of silence, uh, a place that doesn't get any frequencies. Uh, frequencies. Now, I, I'm not, again, I, I'm not a scientist or a person very interested in, in um, frequencies or or the cobra mist. I mean, you know, I, I would have been a person sitting in the back of the room writing my memoirs or something while they were talking all the science stuff. But <laughs> in this case, yeah. you know, it's there and it's presented itself and... It's like, I got this information, I'm getting bits and pieces of messages. What do you do with it? Well, I don't know. I mean, well, sometimes we find, especially when we talk to other people who are having similar experiences, that somehow when you uh, put your heads together with other people and you have shows like this and you work together and you you exchange information, Mm -hmm. it all starts to kind of come together like a puzzle. Oh, absolutely. And And that's one of the main reasons why I really think that the sighting in February is so important because, first of all, it, it happened, not only that it happened before the, the, the main one, but the point is is that it's happened before and that when you start thinking in terms of what you had mentioned, an iceberg, 
there's so much more to really understand and learn about out there that well, yeah, you need to happening at rental ships since the Middle Ages. Yeah, yeah, and it's exactly. Uh, there was a mental hospital or a mental facility. I guess it was pre Betty Ford in the 1920s, out by Tunstall Gate, and that was one area where there was like a creepy uh, swamp over there, and I always felt something dead, deathly uh, over there. I mean, and it turned out that well, let's see. Some people got killed over there. Well, maybe their ghosts are still there. And uh, Well, in our opinion, it's the actual people. And goes, ben, did you have a question? Oh, yeah. That's sort of what you were just saying sort of leads into a question for us all, which is where is this all going? Yeah. Yeah, well, it just, uh, it, it, maybe it's putting together the puzzle, as we were, as we were saying. Uh, I did want to ask, Lori, one mm-hmm. kind of practical question at this point. When you had your sighting, on the runway there, mm-hmm. the description of the craft, did it in any way match what you later heard about the guys experiencing in, in the woods um, in December? Was well, it, you know, yeah, the, the, the um, triangular the, and all that? Well, well, the, the, um, the, the lights, when they were smaller, um, kind of reminded me when they were talking about the lights darting in, in and out of the, by the trees. Yeah. Um, that, I was thinking, was more like when it broke into the three pieces. Um, and, I, and I do believe that, if I'm not mistaken, I think there were um, three small crafts that they, that they would see. Um, well, yeah, well, well, that, well, that brings up a question from um, Isaac in London, who writes, and I don't know if he's quoting from someone else, but he posted it, and we asked him if we could uh, ask this uh, question or, or just put it out for consideration. Uh, why is the Rendlesham case so littered with errors? Why can't people get their facts right? Unquote. Um, I would venture one answer, if this multiverse idea of ours is correct, different people can be having different experiences in the same place at the same time, and they could all be entirely legitimate. It's, it's, that's what's always struck me about the main Rendlesham affair of, the, of December, was that People are saying, "Oh, well, you're lying. That didn't happen." But maybe not. Maybe the um, maybe Larry Warren and um, Jim and J- Jim Peniston and John Burroughs happened exactly as they said they did. But perhaps, you know, even in the same place at the same time, when you're dealing with these with these these overlapping worlds, anything can and does happen because all possibilities exist out there. So yeah. uh, what, what, what say you? I mean, uh, is is this is this the right question? Are there errors? F- fact straight? What fa- maybe? I, I, it's I not think, a legitimate question. Yeah, yeah. I I truly think that what you know what the others experienced, you know, um, they they experienced it. And well, interestingly, you'd have to also look at the fact of. You know the the politics over over there with uh, under under the command of uh, Major Ziegler. It, oh, with the, you know, the you mean with the uh, presence or non presence of nuclear weapons? Um, well, not only that, but uh, but what he could do to your career. I mean, right? Oh, yeah. You know, A lot of I politics mean, in the officer corps. And 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 the thing is, is that he um, when Larry Warren, he'd only been there for about four months maybe and um he didn't i don't think he knew the politics really and Mm. i I do believe that what he saw was a lot 
clearer and a lot more coming from somebody of, you could say, not painted. Um, so, I mean, that's where I give him a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, I, you know, I, I believe what he said and what he saw and, you know, and then, you know, calling up his mom and then next thing you know, the, he's being brought into the office. I mean, it, it was really very, uh. Yeah, know, I've read, uh, read his book, uh, Left yeah, in the Skate, very um, interesting book. And, and I, I mean, I can even, I can even visualize the phone booth he used, but, yeah. um, but where, uh, you know, uh, with with John Burroughs, I, I knew him for a few years. I'd been there a year before John got there. Um, I didn't know him well, but I, you know, uh, you know, I, I knew that you know he he was somebody who uh, he 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 had he had a okay credibility. Yeah. Um, well, I just, uh, I just, uh, not to interrupt, but we're kind of running out of time. I okay. wanted to to just um, comment that. that Witnesses being in each other's throats like they sometimes are. Uh, I don't know if I, maybe it's that, well, not that a, extreme, well, that's but a good, that's a good, classic blackout. That's a good example, though. I, I look at that as, as another piece of the puzzle. That yeah. is a good example of what it was like over over there. Um, okay. That's that. It was all cutthroat. It was all really people being mean to each other. People. I, I mean, you know, people just. Just treating each other. Very negative uh, atmosphere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, um, well, uh, Tom and Chris had a question uh, here. Yeah, if, if you don't mind, um, I'd like to kind of circle back to what my first question was, and I'm not 100% sure why I, I asked you this in the first place, but I felt somewhat compelled. Um, and, and you kind of uh, clarified some of that with the fact that you said you, and you've uh, expressed some sensitive abilities, and, and if you will, for perhaps lack of a better word. But with that said, um, when when you first saw the craft and it, it split, I had asked you if you had um, sensed anything or felt a different vibe in the air or or had gotten any feeling at all. And I, I think you said that you hadn't um, sensed anything different. Is that correct? Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean. I mean. When I. When I think about it, I. I would say I was. I was definitely in shock. I mean, I was kind of like, "What the heck was that?" I mean, right. you know, it, it just it. You know, it was almost like I wanted it to come back so I can um, analyze it again. But I, I do think that it fit in really well with the with the atmosphere, the uh, neg- you know, the negative the energy, negative that, feeling. And and and, and you got to understand again. In, in uh, Paul was it, a more, was it a negative it was, or was it more of a spooky? Um, it was just downright. It was downright negative. I mean. It yeah. was it was as if um, if there was a tear in the dimension, say that that there's a war going on. There's a bad war going on, and and that happens to be one of the hotbed places of yeah. of whatever's going on there. That's and an interesting way to put it. Yeah. 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 Um, I, yeah. yeah I, I really and and I think it knows that there's a handful of us out there that felt it and. I, I asked you that because when when we had our experience, what what happened around us, it became. Very I wanted to ask you to tell you tell us about yeah, your experience. Was, Maybe Lori has some questions we, for you. We yeah, were in a you. we were in a car, and I was handing my uh, younger brother a, a fireball, one of those one cent mm-hmm. fireballs, and my uh, grandmother had turned around to tell me not to give him a, this fireball. And when she did, she saw these lights out the back of our our station wagon, and. Um, to, to, to wrap this up kind of quickly, um, 
what happened with us is our actually the vehicle itself was affected and it and it just kind of coasted off the right side of the road and we would hear the stones and we realized how dead silent and still everything had become it was almost like a barometric change in pressure like being in the middle of a hurricane it was just still and dead everything around us was just dead and you mentioned the spooky and and so on so this is kind of where i was going with this but then suddenly there was just this wham this eruption of uh, crickets and cadids and everything just got louder than life and then then that was that was our moment um before uh, i get into too much detail but anyway um i was just curious because that's yeah. something that uh, we, uh, yeah a friend so. of mine had uh, this is several years ago katie matthews who worked for the 67th ARRS. They were the helicopter uh, rescue squad over on Woodbridge. And one day he had asked me, Lori, did you ever, did you ever fall asleep out there? Uh, you know, and I thought, you know, oh no, no, I'd never fall asleep out there. Ugh. And then I started thinking to myself, well, maybe I might have dozed a little bit. And, and you know, I, that whole abduction thing, I, I've always been really curious about that. If, you know, if you know, if, if I had or had not, I've, I've never go, gone under any kind of hypnosis or anything like that. But that well, was Tom, a, a Tom was abducted since since childhood. He and his brother that, that was the beginning of their case. Sixties, nineteen sixty six, sixty seven, sixty nine. Can we? You want to? Uh can we show some of these pictures? That for, sure. the, for those who yeah, are anybody actually, who's listening. My son actually had one question, too. Do you mind? Do sure. You, no, by all means. One of the other questions he had. Oh, you want to take it? Go ahead. <laughs> all right. One of the things that my son has a similar type of thing to what you're touching on, and and he, but he has been absolutely um, fascinated or intrigued with certain mathematical formulas and numbers and, and that sort of thing, and he kind of wanted to know if, uh, if since this event, if you've, been was the was it more of a fascinated by a certain shape or symbol or if there was anything that you know yes 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 it's a it's the triangle with a small circle on the outside of the triangle and a circle that cuts into the um, it cuts into the, the triangle on one on one side there's uh, some pictures on my uh, Lone Ranger group Facebook page. Yeah, uforanger.com, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it, it's um, and the other thing when you talk about mathematical symbols, and this this is going to sound well, it all sounds kind of bizarre. Whenever I see birds flying, I I see patterns, and these patterns I see these lengthy equations. I don't know what that means, but I, I do all the time. And yeah, I, I envy you. I, I wish it. I was better in math. No, I know. I, I wish I was spell. too, but but I, I see you know it's uh, probably an an algebra equation. Now, because everybody's familiar with the, the whole binary code thing when it comes to Rendlesham, uh, Jim Penniston, uh, one of the big witnesses on the night of, I think it was the 27th, I'm not, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, felt that he went up, actually went up and touched one of the landed craft or the landed craft and felt that it was a binary code was downloaded to him, which years later, because it didn't mean anything to him then, he thought, well, maybe I'll look into this, wrote it all down, and uh, two experts, including Gary Osborne, who's been on the show and will, will be again soon, uh, interpreted them as earth, at least among other things, as, as, as earth coordinates. And there were symbols on the craft as well as you'd have on an, uh, you know, roundels on any military aircraft. And uh, I don't know offhand if that triangle shape was one of those. 
Well, he he sees shapes and and. I I, I think yeah. it, I think it was, but but you know I don't I don't know I I'd have to I'd have to re- revisit it, but I uh, there there are some similarities. I I had asked Gary Osborne about my uh about the zone of silence if there was any connection there with that binary um, mm. because. Uh, well, again, the idea of being, you know, everything you've said, see, is, is starting to come together in the puzzle that we talked about and what it means, who knows, different people in different places seeing similar things, uh, pieces of the puzzle perhaps coming together. Uh, perhaps, uh, uh, I hate to use the term warfare going on behind the scenes somewhere mm-hmm. or somewhere, but that, I, that rings true with what we see in the paranormal in our yeah. own work, which very often has very little to do with UFOs, although it's getting more so. Yeah, and I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the power of goodness and the power of evil, you know. And yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. Yeah, and, and trite you can, as it you may can really talk off uh, evil with a little goodness. Yeah, I think in the end, well, as I've always said, regardless of, of what 2012 means, if anything, and everybody's talking about the changes or the end of the world or a Mayan stuff, I mean, whatever is happening, I, as I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more. I want to be found doing what I'm supposed to be doing, doing yeah. my work in an honest manner, loving and taking care of my family, loving God as best I can in my own way. Uh, th- this is this is the way. You, this is the way right. you do it. What's called life. So, right. Well, well, the other, you, you know, I I I was watching the History Channel the other day, and and there was this thing about Ephesians, and um, interestingly, somebody two two scientists had. Had drawn a similar aircraft, and it kind of looked like the one that Tennyson had seen. Or it had the um, the, the uh, legs on it that had the round discs at the base of it. But the other interesting thing about that picture is I saw my gray, the one uh, you know my my uh, I should call him my friend, no, but the gray that was behind me at Eastgate, it, he was on that picture, and uh, I was just kind of. I'm trying to find that. I'm trying yeah. to find that picture now. Well, in the, in the meantime, why don't we show, uh, if you could, if for anybody who's listening on a computer, uh, we have some things that, that, that uh, some illustrations that Tom and, and Chris brought with themselves today. Now, what is the significance of the term Willow Lake? That's where... Well, Willow Lake um, is actually a combination of the lake that took place, or uh, my mother was on in, in 1954, um, that fourth week of June. But the... The sketch here that you're seeing, I actually drew when I was nine, ten years old, and it hung in my fourth grade classroom, and it now hangs in, in Roswell. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had some. No, the museum in Roswell. Yeah. Oh, cool. So I had a couple copies made, and I just basically brought those for you. And oh, I appreciate at that. At the same time, it's very significant. And what's most significant about that, more than anything, is the willow tree. Mm-hmm. Our entire family has had this connection to. I'm not sure why. If it's a, just kind of a symbolic type of thing, it's just the willow tree has just been kind of following our family for some reason. We find it a connection yeah. to it. It's every time we drive by one, it triggers a memory. My brother has one hanging in this, you know, well, not, you know, on the side of his yard. My mother's uh, planted willow trees. Yeah. When I moved to Tennessee, I well, I, I don't know what it is. We hear that yeah. time and yeah. again. You do from you know, and Lori has has expressed something like that tonight. So have you seriously? Uh, shamans. Uh, they have the whole experience of the shaman and the abduction experience are they seem to be extremely similar. So other people have referenced. Oh yeah, well, yeah. And I did that when I was. Well, not nine. necessarily. That's it could nine be, years old. That's yeah, talking yeah, my fourth. Certain grade animals. Classroom. It could be uh, you know certain 
trees, plants, I understand d- places. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Lori, I get, we, I get we got another the, minute or two, but that's fine. Yeah. I get that from, from mailboxes. I don't <laughs> know. Mailbox. That is. Okay. But something about a, putting a card into Mail a mailbox. Yeah. Is, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I had that Blessed Virgin Mary sighting when I was eight years old. As did I when I was eight yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe it's because children, maybe we're open to it. And, you yeah. Know, that's part of it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Well, we're just about out of time, but Lori, it's been it's been a really fascinating discussion, and we just this all came together at the last minute. And, and uh, thank you, thank you all, Lori. We'll be in touch thank off you. the air, and okay. uh, we'll have you back uh, to continue. Thanks for oh, having thank us. Oh, thank you so much. Very and I good. Appreciate meeting you guys, Tom and and uh, Tom and Chris. Likewise, Tom and Chris. Yeah. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank Very you. good. Uh, Lori Rayfeld, Major Retired U.S. Air Force. Everyone, one of the. Uh, one of the more interesting, uh, I think, Reynoldsship witnesses we have uh, not heard from a lot in the media. Okay. So, I think we can uh, begin to wrap it up here, but I, I want to also thank uh, Tom and Chris Reed. Chris, you haven't said much. Uh, why don't you take a second and tell us about, but do you consider yourself an abductee as well? Uh, I, I don't, actually. Uh, I've not, to my knowledge, have I ever uh, mm-hmm. seen anything or, or actually wow. been abducted myself. I yeah. mean, I, I shouldn't say seen You are anything. a very special person. Now, that just radiates from you. Oh, well, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. So is this character, but maybe in a different way. <laughs> okay, very good. All right. Well, we do, speaking of the Randallsham case, which you... Um, We've been talking about tonight the the actual conference, uh, Randallsham 2012 conference takes place this coming Sunday. If you happen to be in the vicinity of Woodbridge, England, and we have a lot of listeners there, uh, check it out. And you can go to uh, the website. It's RandallshamUFO.com, and there are tickets still uh, available. So check it out. So don't forget our show website, www.behindtheparanormal.com where you can get all the information on all our speaking tours and events and all sorts of fun things like that, as well as buy books and see what's coming up. We have nearly 400 free podcasts of all our shows available on our website. And again, that's www.behindtheparanormal.com. And many thanks to our producer once again. Ben has been uh, running the engineer, one of the engineers here at the station. They've been doing a terrific job. And uh, we thank him for his service tonight. And we'll see you next Monday, June 18th, right here on WON 1240 AM and com. when Ben and I will present the evidence for strange sounds. This will be one of the weirdest shows you've ever heard. Uh, these strange sounds now being reported from all over the world and reportedly coming from the sky or the ground or both. And we'll have pre-recorded interviews with Linda Bolton Howe and Larry Lowe. All right, on our regular CBS radio edition on Sunday, June 17th in Boston, Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Seattle, we'll welcome one of our most popular guests, uh, Murray Silver, author, producer, Washington insider, and Hollywood insider, for more talk about his own experiences with ghosts. And we'll leave you this evening with a quote from the great Helen Keller. When one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one that is open for us. So thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.